Well, she gets onto the plane and she's sitting there and then they start looking for me and I'm not there. But again, I've paid for my ticket. I didn't want a refund. They pull her off the plane and they will not let her fly without me. So... Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Today, Justin and I are going to be digging into travel rewards, travel hacking, travel tips. But before we get into all that, let me check in with the travel man himself. Justin, what's going on in your life? Hey, Cody. Yeah, I mean, if I don't get to talk enough about finance here on the podcast, and I got to do plenty of it this past weekend at a Camp Fi that's a camp financial independence. So it's imagine a summer camp, uh, three days of like a summer camp for adults who love to nerd out about finance. And the greatest thing about it is there's, there's a ton of stories out there that you don't hear that don't have a podcast that don't have a blog, or maybe it's people just getting started. And that's the fun part, right? Is, is finding somebody who's just getting started and uh, seeing them, their eyes light up and they just discover this community and they're getting all wrapped up in it and um, getting to kind of encourage them and get them started. That, that's definitely my favorite part. But I was asked to come out and speak and stay out there for a few days. And we had a great time. How about you, Cody? Well, first, before we dig into what I did, what'd you speak on? Just kind of curious. I didn't get to watch that yet. Yeah, it was kind of like my story. And it was also a little bit about how we could maybe look at someone and the success they have or don't have and judge them based on that and then not understand their full story and how they got there. It also was a little bit about like introspection and realizing like, what are you good at? What are you not good at? And just like owning that because we're not all meant to be entrepreneurs. We're not, you know, all fit for a W-2 job or we're not all good at writing or we're not all good at designing or we're not all good at making deals or whatever it might be. So it's just kind of like owning what you are good at, owning what privileges you've been giving, own what you're not good at and own what like things might be holding you back. It just, it, to me, it's better to kind of like figure it out instead of um, just trying to like plow through it and, and around it, even if it's not, doesn't really fit, you know, who you are. Love that. Well, I was supposed to be at that campfire with you, Justin, but for the listeners who have been listening the last couple of weeks, I decided instead to do this long Greece trip, which was way too long coming because we were supposed to do it back in March of 2020. Finally got around to doing it in October of 2021. Thanks a lot, COVID. But man, the getting back story was a little bit crazy. So I think the last episode, we were Santorini and then Crete and then Cyprus. And so we're leaving Cyprus on the last day. We're supposed to get home on the 27th and we're driving to the airport. James and Emily are driving us and someone just pulls out of the roundabout like a madman flying through all the lanes trying to take a left. And we end up T-boning them literally on the way to the airport. So this is in a different country. Like we have rental car insurance, not exactly sure how it works, but my girlfriend now fiance, Lauren and I, <laughs> so we were going to like miss our flight if we kind of hung around with James and Emily. So we, we basically left them in the middle of a roundabout. They had to wait for the agent from the car insurance company. The other guy that got hit had to wait for his agent. They had to meet up. It's kind of weird how they do things. People don't pull over and, you know, kind of get the roads clear. They have to wait for both agents to come. We take a taxi to the airport. You know, we, we make it. It's awesome. We get from Cyprus to Athens. We're hanging out. We grab a bite to eat because we're pretty hungry. We get to our gate 30 minutes early and it's a ghost town from Athens to Philadelphia to get back to the States. And we're like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> did we miss our flight? Was it at a different time? We see someone and we're like, hey, like, is this flight still going? They're like, yeah, 
we didn't see you guys checked in on our system. We're like, well, we have our tickets printed right here. We clearly came to the airport and checked in. And she's like, oh, my bad. Must be an issue in our system. So they didn't let us board the plane. We could see the plane right there. And we had to book an Airbnb. We had to stay another night. And, you know, we finally got rerouted and had a different flight home the next day that went to Chicago and then to Boston, added four hours of travel time. But good news, Justin, we're back in the States. The trip was awesome besides that last crazy day of hectic travel. And, you know, a lot of reflecting. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Just travel, travel tips, how other people can replicate all of the travel strategies we've used, whether it's a local event or whether it's a month-long trip, like something to Greece. Did you milk them for any free vouchers after they like ran you through the ringer? No, they were kind of not very accommodating. And another thing that wasn't very helpful was the language barrier. I don't think she quite understood what, she, what we were saying. She didn't have the best <laughs> English. So it just wasn't worth the hassle. I probably, I, I know there probably is a policy that, so it was American Airlines, has where they should have put me up in a hotel or an Airbnb, but weren't able to finagle that deal. It was only like 45 bucks for the Airbnb for the night, not too yeah. shabby. <laughs> sometimes it's not worth the fight, but sometimes it's fun to fight. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been in that situation, fortunately, but I've heard of people getting like multi-hundred dollar hotel stays covered by United or American or insert other airline company. So Justin, I think this is a good opportunity now to kind of just get into the different things we're going to talk about in today's episode. All of the different travel tips, the travel hacks, the travel strategies that we use to make it so much more affordable than the average person would think it is. So I guess I want to start with the, you know, the main one that most people in the community are familiar with, and that's just travel hacking with credit cards. If you have been in the FI space or just any of these, you know, online entrepreneur spaces, you've probably heard the term travel hacking, and you've probably been introduced to some of these credit cards and some of these strategies. But I thought it'd be fun for each of us to kind of dig into some of the rewards that we've been able to cash in and get amazing trips for really low prices. Does any come to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton. I mean, and obviously, like some are more repeatable than others. And some like just as like a quick little shout out for anybody listening, who's in the military, you can get any of those like really high end Amex or chase cards that are already still very likely worthwhile to get if you had to pay the five $550, you know, fee that it costs to get those, the really high-end cards. But you can get those for free. You can get as many of them as you want. Um, obviously, there is a, a rule around with Chase where you can't have opened, they call it the 524 rule, where you can't have opened five credit cards or more than five credit cards in the last 24 months. But other than that, um, you can get as many as you want. So if you want to get your Chase ones first, and then you can move on to Amex, for instance. But that's a huge perk for those in the military. A more recent one that I did was uh, just with Delta. You know, they had a credit card where you get $200 off of like a flight, you get a bunch of points, and you get all your bags are free when you when you use the credit card. Not only you, but any guests that are like on the ticket with you. And I'm pretty sure that one was like one of those $99 annual fee ones after the first year. And the great thing about that is it's kind of, you know, a lot of these flights that are super cheap, super budget on these airlines sometimes don't include a carry-on bag or a check bag. And so having this credit card, not only does it give you free bags, but like that, it's, it's, that's super critical when you're booking those really cheap flights. If you're booking the super cheap flights, that kind of takes that edge off because a lot of times you're like, well, it's, it's cheap, but now I got to pay extra for the bag and that, that takes that away. Yeah, that actually reminds me, Justin, speaking of, you know, the budget airlines kind of screw you when you have any kind of checked bag or any kind of strange shaped bag. And you know what I mean in a second. So at the beginning of 2020, went on a ski trip and, you know, that's a very odd shaped bag. And if you're flying on Spirit, they're probably not going to let you bring a snowboard on with you. 
But we had the Southwest Companion Pass, my now fiance, Lauren and I, we were companions together. We booked our flights through Southwest to Tahoe. And so Lauren came on with me for free and we got two checked bags for free. So we got to bring a suitcase each for clothes. And then we both got to pack our snowboard and skis respectively. So that was an instance where, you know, it made a lot more sense to use like a Southwest rather than going through some other airline, even though the flight might've been cheaper, but to cash in our points there because we get the checked bag. So I totally agree with you there, Justin. Another thing with the Southwest one, because I've actually got to do that as well with the companion pass. And for those listening, you know, I know it's kind of, we're getting towards the end of 2021. In the past, a lot of times they run these really good specials in like February. So be on the lookout for that. And they'll, because normally it's really hard to earn the companion pass just straight up. But sometimes they'll run a promotion where you get so many points as that sign-on bonus that you're pretty much already there and you'll get it right away. A lot of times, though, instead of the normal companion pass where you get it all the rest of that year plus the next year, it's only like for that year. So you don't get it quite as long. The other thing about the companion pass is I hit a weird edge case that you you might want to consider. So like Cody was saying, you know, when you fly and you have that companion pass, all they're doing is paying a few bucks for the the taxes and fees. But you have to buy your ticket. Well, I was on a a trip, personal trip, and Leslie was with me and she's going to be flying back. Well, then all of a sudden, like I had a work trip kind of pop up and I decided like, all right, I'm just going to go do this work trip and you can fly on back because I and I won't cancel my ticket because that way you can still fly back. Well, she gets onto the plane and she's sitting there and then they start looking for me and I'm not there. But again, I've paid for my ticket. I didn't want a refund. They pull her off the plane and they will not let her fly without me. So watch out for that if that ever happens <laughs> to you. Um, if, if all of a sudden you're like, we're going somewhere and then, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm going to stay here for a little longer. I'm going to fly somewhere else and you go on back. But you can't do that. That is definitely something noteworthy. One thing you can get just maybe got me thinking of like, you know, being on a plane, unfortunately, Leslie wasn't on that plane home. But <laughs> Some of the in-flight offers you get on planes have been pretty awesome. I've done two of them so far. You know, many of them aren't worth it. But one of them I did was a spend $1, get 60,000 points for American. And that was an in-flight deal. So I literally filled out like the credit card on the flight. And this is only for those who are, you know, credit responsible. You don't want to be racking up a tab because then American wins or the bank who issued the card wins. But that was an awesome way for me to get 60,000 American points. And I think we cashed that in for multiple trips, Lauren and I. And I think we even used some American points recently. I can't remember exactly which trip that was for. Another one we did was for Spirit Airlines. I know I was just kind of crapping on Spirit a bit because they are notoriously strict with bags. But we were flying down to Florida. They had a spend $1, get 35,000 points deal. Did it, got the 35,000 points. And if you fly on the right days, and that's another kind of key thing to just travel hacking and travel in general, if you can fly on the right days that other people aren't flying on, like Spirit, I know they're Tuesdays, you can get like the $5,000, or sorry, not (laughs) $5,000, 5,000.1 way flights. So like I could get a round trip to Florida for like 10,000 Spirit points. So I got like almost, you know, two and a half round trips out of that one sign up bonus to Orlando or to Fort Lauderdale, which is awesome. But it you know, again, you have to be flexible with which dates you're traveling, because if you're going to go from a Friday to a Sunday on a really busy weekend, then those points are worth much, much less. And that's true with pretty much every airline. Yeah. And speaking about like picking out those days and, and looking at ways to find a cheap flight, there's a couple different like tools out there that you can use to kind of help you with that. So you're not constantly having to get on there and search every day and trying to figure out, you know, thread the needle. I know Dollar Flight Club is one. Scott's Cheap Flights is one where you can get on these automated email lists with your home 
departure or airport and it'll just give you like these awesome deals so we got a notice from one of those either in late 2019 or early 2020 like pre-covid and it said okay you can fly from boston to amsterdam and you can get up to a five-day layover in porto portugal for 374 dollars round trip it's like oh man like we get two trips for 374 dollars now, obviously, we ended up not getting to go because of COVID, but like that's a deal that I would have never found and I would have never been like, oh, yeah, and of course, I'll just throw in a five-day layover. Like I would have known to do that, but a lot of these automated emails do that for you. There's also an app called Hopper that does a pretty good job of saying like, is this a good deal or did you are you getting kind of getting caught in the middle of some kind of weird surge pricing? And then even just on Google, like when you search for flights, there's an option to look at kind of like a calendar grid or by different date. And you can kind of move around and say like, all right, if I change my trip from being like a seven day to a 10 day, maybe the flight actually gets way cheaper. And then I can take that money and get an Airbnb and I make a longer trip for the same money or, or whatever it might be. Like there's a, there's a lot of ways of just looking at the data instead of like getting on there every day and, and just trying to brute force figure out your way to find a cheap flight. One more tool I'll throw out, and this is for people who are already accumulating points and kind of in the credit card world is award hacker. And so I've used this before to kind of figure out where I can get the best bang for my buck in terms of points. So let's say you have like, you know, a hundred plus thousand chase ultimate rewards points. You can kind of see which flight will give you the best bang for your buck. Like I just mentioned. So I can type in like Boston to Amsterdam in that case, Justin, and it will say like, you know, the best point scenario for this is 25,000 round trip. And then you can click on that and start to search for availability and you can figure out what dates you can get that point transfer for. So it's really helpful for me. Like, again, if you're flexible with the travel dates, instead of paying, you know, 50,000 or 60,000 points for a round trip, you might be able to get it for 20 or 25,000 if you're just a little bit more strategic about which dates you're traveling on. And I know we've mostly been talking about points here, but, you know, I kind of joked earlier about, you know, did you try to squeeze them out of a free voucher? A lot of times when you're at the airport, you know, you will hear them calling for looking for a volunteer to not get on that flight. And I've had really good luck with doing that. I will say, if you end up with a voucher for any reason, like if it was COVID and you had to cancel a flight, or if it's because, you know, you volunteered to set off a flight, I have a lot of friends like would ask me, you know, should I use this voucher now or should I use it for this? I was kind of wanting to save it up for this. And it's like, well, if you know you're going somewhere and you're buying a ticket anyway and you got the voucher, like I'm in the camp of just go ahead and use it because the chances of you losing it or it expiring or whatever might happen there's no reason to even risk that. Just take it. It's you don't you don't need to like earmark the voucher for a vacation. You can use it for even if it's just like going back for a, a wedding or whatever. If you know you need to fly there anyway, like with points, yeah, you're wanting to try to make sure it makes sense to use points versus using your money. But when you've already got a voucher, like just use it and get it get it out so that you don't mess around and let it expire or lose the ticket or whatever it is. And for those of you who are thinking. Because I remember when I first started Travel Rewards, I'm like, this is so complicated. And, you know, I'd go in these Reddit groups and people are like optimizing down to the penny for which card they should sign up for. And they were like applying to 37 cards for the year and, you know, buying their sign up bonuses. You can literally just do like one or two cards a year. Like at this point, I'm doing literally like two to three cards a year. Whereas, you know, some people, when they get really into this, they're getting like 20 cards and it just sounds so overwhelming. But if you just get like the Chase Sapphire or you get like one of the Capital One cards, like a venture, and just get started with that. Like it's it's seriously so easy to kind of cash these in and get these free flights. And I think a lot of us who, you know, before we got into this space at all, 
like financial independence, you kind of think it's like a scam. You're like, there's no way that I can just like book a free flight with this. And then I remember the first time I booked, I think it was with a Capital One Venture card. And it was like a $500 flight. And I literally just got it for free. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing ever. Why isn't everyone doing this? But the truth is like a lot of people, unfortunately, are super irresponsible with their credit cards. They rack up a huge tab and then the credit card companies start to win. You know, when you're paying 24% interest on a multi-thousand dollar balance, like they're getting tens and potentially hundreds of your dollars every month and thousands per year. And then they're like, oh, we'll just give you these travel rewards so we can kind of con people into signing up. Yeah, I mean, a few things with that is like, A, normally people like they start trying to stress out and freak out about like which card should i use for which like when i'm going to eat at this restaurant or this gas station or whatever most of the benefit is coming at that sign up like that's that's most of your benefit so if you just hit the 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 sign ups then you're you're really doing you know 80 percent of the benefit so like if you feel like i don't want to stress out about knowing which card don't just get the sign up the second you know another thing is like Cody was saying, you know, not letting them win when you've got to hit that sign up. If you are a frugal person and you don't naturally spend $4,000 on a credit card in, in three months, don't buy things that you don't need because then it's not really a net benefit. You know, you can prepay a lot of things though. Like you can say you got a Netflix membership or like you want to pay your car insurance off in advance or say like, you know, cell phones, a lot of people pay those off month to month like that. It's rolled into their bill. Go ahead and pay those devices off. And like what I did is because I'm on like a family plan, a lot of my family members are on my plan. I went ahead and paid off all their cell phones and I just didn't even, I mean, I didn't even have to talk about it to them. Like I just let them keep paying me month to month. I just needed to get some expenses shown on paper, but don't actually buy things that you didn't need to spend. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Justin. I think just everyone has to be wary and cognizant of the downsides of credit cards. The upsides are awesome if you know how to use them, but we definitely don't want people falling into the trap of credit card debt and interest payments. We have kind of been focusing on flights mostly. You know, we talked about all these different flight sites. We talked about using these different points to book flights, but we haven't really talked about accommodation, which is, you know, usually one of the biggest expenditures when it comes to booking a vacation or traveling for a long time. I know you and I have done dozens, multiple dozens of trips over the past couple of years using all these different tactics. What are some of the things that you've been doing? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase, at shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. Well, when you're looking at a trip to me, like the first is figuring out like, does this make more sense as an Airbnb type trip or does it make more sense as a hotel type trip? Like depending on the location and depending on what the hotels might offer. You know, if it's a place where the hotels do have breakfast and dinner and it's got a shuttle to like the ski resort that you're skiing at like that could be worth a lot 
and maybe that offsets the fact that the Airbnb is a little cheaper. Now with COVID, you really need to call these places and double check to make sure what they're offering because all that stuff has really gotten screwed up as far as, you know, if they're offering an actual breakfast or if they're just giving you like a bagel and a banana, cause that's, you know, that's not going to cut it. And then like, let's say like when I go to Mexico, for instance, that's always an Airbnb trip cause it's so cheap. One thing I look at though is, you know, a lot of people are wanting to focus on it looking fancy or whatever. And to me, like I went to Mexico to see Mexico. Like I didn't go to Mexico to be in a nice place. Like I live in a nice house. I don't need to go to Mexico for that. So the things that are important to me are like, can I cook food there if I want to? But the biggest, especially where I go in Cozumel, because it's flat, it's small. Does it come with a bicycle? Because if it comes with a bicycle, now all of a sudden that saves me a ton of money on either renting a bicycle or paying a bunch of taxis. So it's like, what are those next level benefits? Like you stay some places, maybe it's on the water and it comes with a, a stand up paddleboard, or maybe it's somewhere where you want to be working and, you know, it comes with high speed internet versus you having to kind of trek around and find a coffee shop. So, like thinking about which amenities really matter to you at an Airbnb, and then, you know, figuring out, like, should I do an Airbnb versus a hotel? And then figuring out, like, digging into those next layers. Like, when you're looking at hotels, which ones are going to actually kind of give me the best experience slash bang for your buck kind of combo. Well, I'm glad you took that analysis, the hotels versus Airbnbs first, because I don't think I could have honestly said it better myself. I do want to kind of highlight two other options that you didn't name. And, you know, it's obviously depending on your level of comfortability and how you like traveling. But one of them that's often overlooked is hostels. And a lot of people are like, ooh, like, you know, they've seen the movie Hostels. And they think like, you know, if they sleep in a room with someone they don't know, it's they're going to get like stabbed or something crazy. But I have met, honestly, some of the coolest people I've ever met traveling and staying in hostels. And in most countries that have hostels, unfortunately, the state's isn't too hostile friendly. And, you know, I think there are some in California and out West, but generally you can't find them. But, you know, in Europe, in Australia, in Southeast Asia, you can find hostels for like eight to $15 a night. It is just like incredibly cheap. And it's a really cool place to, you know, network and meet fun people that are traveling. Again, they're not psycho serial killers who are booking these hostels. These are people from all over the world who are just trying to have a good time and trying to explore a different country and a different culture. So I always tell people, you know, a lot of people are really hesitant, but it's it's seriously not like that at all. You'll, You'll meet some really cool people. Another one that's even cheaper than hostels, imagine that, is a lot of these house sitting sites. So I know there's trusted house sitters, there's house sitters of America, there's a handful of them that are well known. And, you know, a lot of these, there's these are people who maybe they have a couple pets at home or maybe they need something taken care of at their home and they're traveling for some extended period of time. They'll have, you know, this community of people that are vetted. So you got to go through a vetting process and background check to make sure you're not going to steal or damage the property in any way. But if you get accepted on some of these trips, I know, you know, I was just traveling around Europe with or around Greece and Cyprus with James and Emily. They've done a few trusted house sitters trips. They get to stay in like Budapest for two weeks for free. They get to stay in somewhere in the UK for free. And You know, it's just in exchange for them, you know, taking care of a pet or taking care of some housework. And it just seems like a really cool program for, you know, those who are nomadic and, you know, maybe you have a job that you can work from anywhere in the world and it's completely free. It's just a trade. It's a trade for your labor, a trade for your time, and you get a free place to stay. And there's even two or a few other options that you haven't talked about, Cody, and it involves like not having a place to stay at all. (laughs) and it's 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 ways that maybe a lot of people would scoff at but like when we went to the grand tetons and yellowstone this year 
like we love camping, right? So we were planning on doing some backcountry camping anyway. So we're going to have all of our camping gear, sleeping pads, sleeping bags, whatever. And there's also like been this huge rental car like shortage because a lot of the rental car companies were going broke and they were selling all the rental cars. And then all of a sudden people started traveling again and, you know, the floodgates open. And so, you know, now like the, the rental car prices surged. And so what we, when we were looking, we could, from Hertz, we could get one of these big high top, huge vans that like people normally convert into a camper van only seats two people, but the whole back end is open for half of what we could get just a little cheap, tiny car. And with that, now all of a sudden we've got our rental car and we've got a camper van because we've got all our camping equipment anyway. We're going to do some backcountry nights. But like when you go up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming in the summer, you can camp like right downtown on the street for free. Like there's no like rules against it. You don't have to hide. Like it's and it's an awesome location. Like you wake up in the mountains. It's gorgeous. And, um, you know, a lot of people might think that's insane. But I mean, people don't think RVs are insane and it's really not any different, you know. Obviously, it's not something you'd want to live in long term, but if you're going somewhere for a couple of days and you're okay with with a little bit of roughing it, that's an option. Another thing I see is, okay, let's say I'm going somewhere, I'm flying, and I have booked those cheap flights, and now I want to have some kind of ridiculous flight schedule because of that. If I now have to book an extra hotel because of this weird flight schedule, that's kind of negated the whole cheap flight thing. So let's say on the way back, I got to take off at four o'clock in the morning and so i'm gonna have to get another hotel just to like sleep or you know with a lot of these credit cards you get access to these different lounges some of them are very nice like the amex centurion lounges are like amazing like the top shelf liquor really good food and it's all you can eat all that kind of stuff you could go have yourself a really nice evening from like seven to ten eat and drink all you want And then again, you know, you've got the little tiny like backpacking style sleeping bag and sleeping pad and you could just sleep in the airport for four or five hours and wake up and get on your flight and not have to spend all that money and the hassle of like, okay, well now we got to, now we got to Uber to the hotel. We got to stay and we got to Uber back to the airport, get checked in and it's four o'clock in the morning and you're miserable. Or you could just wake up at, you know, four o'clock and get on your flight. And to me, I actually think that's better, even though a lot of people think that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, a lot of this stuff, and just to echo what you're saying, it's just creativity. It's just like doing things a little bit differently than everybody else is doing. I know, you know, for accommodation, a lot of people would scoff at the last five options we just mentioned. (laughs) Like maybe they wouldn't stay in anywhere but a hotel, like not even an Airbnb is going to cut it. That's totally cool. It really depends on, you know, what you're going for. But we've been able to travel, you know, multiple weeks multiple months actually sometimes out of the year, Justin, for cents on the dollar for what most people think traveling costs. I think that's just something, I mean, I'll quickly address. Like when I went to South America for three and a half weeks, I spent $2,200 and we went out for literally every meal. We were doing all the excursions and everything like that. And, you know, just because it's a lower cost of living place and we weren't booking like crazy expensive hotels, we were staying in hostels. The big stuff was cheap. We didn't like rent cars or anything, but you know, that's, so much less than if, if I told a random person in the street, hey, how much would it cost to stay in South America for a month? You know, they'd 5,000, 10,000, I don't know, <laughs> 20,000. I have no idea. But it's seriously just like so much cheaper than people think to go on these longer type trips and even, you know, small weekend trips. I know, Justin, you were the master at getting these, these, like, I'll just hit you up and you'll be like, yeah, I'm doing these seven free events this weekend. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> I think just getting creative and, you know, going places and searching places for events, for cool things to do, for options where other people aren't. That's like 
one of the best ways to kind of maximize this whole cheap travel thing. And one last little nugget that I kind of forgot to mention when you talk about like most people want to stay at like a high end place, like those last options are off the table. You know, if you are okay with staying in a regular hotel or something lesser or whatever, you can still enjoy a lot of the amenities of a high end place. Like when we were in Hawaii, we went over to the Four Seasons and, you know, they have like a restaurant and we did happy hour there and we enjoyed like their balcony and their view and we're going to spend the evening at the Four Seasons, not in the room, but, you know, like all the other amenities were right there that we could use. And another thing is like sometimes you can treat yourself with some of these credit cards where you can stay in those super nice places because like, for instance, with Hilton, some of their credit cards, they give you this extra credit that's specifically for what they deem a resort hotel. So, for instance, like in Colorado over by Vail, there's a hotel really close to it. It's got a shuttle to the mountain. And if you've got one of those Hilton Aspire cards, you get like either a 200 or $250 credit and you can use that at the restaurant inside of the hotel. So now like you're staying in a nice place and you get to eat like the good food and it's all covered because you just put it on that Hilton credit card and it automatically comes off. Justin, just out of curiosity, you're talking about Hilton an awful lot here. How many of those millions of points do you still have left? <laughs> yeah. So when I was in the Air Force and we were traveling a good bit, I would always try to use Hilton. I couldn't use a credit card like a Hilton credit card, but I could still get the regular points. And so that kind of got me on the Hilton bandwagon. I started discovering uh, Homewood Suites. And I loved the fact that you had a solid breakfast and a dinner and free drinks at night, you know, all included in the price of your room. And then when I was living in Boston, we had a, a house fire where the third floor of this house caught on fire. And I know Cody knows this. If you've ever lived up in that area, you know, like almost everyone lives in these three floor, like it looked, it used to be probably one home and they've made it in three apartments. It's not like a big apartment complex. So it's just those three units, but the third floor caught on fire, which obviously includes the roof. And so the place wasn't livable. And I was the only one in this building you know, and we all had roommates. So it wasn't just like three people. There was whatever it was, like nine people. I was the only one with renter's insurance. And I started digging into how can I make the best of this? And like Cody was saying earlier, creativity, I think that's half the battle is taking situations most people would think, oh, this sucks. And you're like, eh, how can I bend this and make this work better for me than if it would have never happened in the first place? And so I started digging into it and it's like, okay, yeah, they have to find somewhere for you to stay until it is either fixed or you start renting from somewhere else. And a lot of times these situations, like people are in a large apartment complex and if they get another unit open, like you have to accept that. But since this is just that, like it was going to take months and months for them to get this thing back up to being livable. We actually ended up moving to a different place before it got fixed. So with that, we lived in a hotel for five months and I picked the Homewood Suites. So that way I could also have free food the whole time and not have that expense. And the insurance company, you know, they're like trying to be nice and they're like, well, we can just take care of it for you. Like, we'll just, we can directly pay the bills. And I said, no, that's okay. I would rather pay for the bills and you just reimburse me. And so I go out and I get the nice Hilton card. And so there's all these multipliers and stuff going on at the time. And then, you know, you're living in this place for five months and it's not a cheap hotel. And I ended up with 2.4 million Hilton points. <laughs> and so that's how, uh, you know, we paid for all those trips in Hawaii. I mean, I'm still like, I went to Vail for five days for my birthday this year. I still have, I think it's like 1.1 million left or something. <laughs> and that was in, gosh, what was that? Maybe 2017 or 18. Uh, so it's, they've, they've lasted me quite a while. And uh, I mean, I know that's not something that is like repeatable. Please don't go set your house on fire to do this. But it is just another example of like, 
be aware, think, don't just like take exactly the first thing you see, just pause for a minute. Think, is there any way I could make this work for me and then make your decision? I know something we touched on earlier, Justin, was just like local events and getting free stuff. I know for me, when I go to a new place, like, you know, Greece is a great example because I was just there asking the locals or asking people who have been traveling around, what are the free things to do or what are the fun things to do is always a really great way to kind of figure out the actual free, fun, cheap things to do. Unfortunately, that the best way usually isn't to search online for like best seven things to do here <laughs> because those are usually the most crazy expensive things. You're going to click on a link that's going to go through some third party booking system like Expedia and you're going to end up paying like $150 for some boat cruise or whatever it might be. But for me, like asking locals, asking other people who have been there that we might have met, and this is another good reason to meet people in hostels. For me, anyway, that's been a really good way to do it. And that's traveling anyway. I'm not as good at the, you know, at home free types of events. Maybe I should get better. So take it away, Justin, and let me know how I can improve my at home free events. <laughs> yeah. And I do the travel stuff too, as far as like, you know, we're talking about Airbnbs. Like I always end up in an Airbnb in Mexico. And then you get to chat and you become friendly with them. And like we were staying with one guy who owned his own dive shop. So we got like really good deals on going scuba diving. So that's another tip. Like if you're if you're staying with local people in the area, normally they'll hook you up as long as you're like a friendly person. But as far as like at home type stuff, it's twofold. Like one, like how I do it is, you know, you look at local Instagram accounts that kind of specialize in this. You do a little bit of legwork. You go and look for happy hours. And a lot of times websites won't say what their happy hour is they might they might say they have one or they might even give you the hours but you can go to yelp a lot of times and look under the photos part and then you can filter just by menus and you'll see people have taken and snapped pictures of the happy hours you cannot trust any website that you go to that says like best happy hours in austin because if they're made even six months ago they're not going to be accurate like they're not going to be accurate at all the other thing is you know there's eventbrite which is a great place to just kind of keep a lookout for facebook events the other thing is I think this is a great argument against this argument of like high cost of living cities versus low cost of living cities. You know, what does that really mean? If you live out in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to get these kind of events. You're not probably going to get the cheapest flights. So it's going to be very hard for you to even get to the airport to take them. You're not going to have people coming through your town to visit you and you're not, you know, which kind of gives you a little bit of a vacation feel. So it's one reason why I've really appreciated living in larger cities and and I think in a lot of ways, it has lowered my cost of living. I mean, yes, your your housing might be more expensive. But when I think about like, I mean, literally, I was talking to Leslie today, like we're going, we're going to go out some places tonight. And I was like, oh, look, this place on 6th Street has got free pizza and Trulies tonight. All you got to do is show them this app on your phone that you just show them that you downloaded an app. And like there's stuff like that every day in a large city because there's always somebody trying to promote some new product or open some new restaurant or whatever. But if you're in a town that nothing's happening, it, it is a little harder. I'm kind of kicking myself that I just thought about this, Justin, and I think it's probably our favorite travel hack of all time. And it's crashing on people's couches slash guest rooms that we've met all around the country. Honestly, it's one of my favorite things about the Fi community and just all these online communities in general. I know you just mentioned you came back from Camp Fi. I mean, I met James and Emily, who I just traveled Greece with. I met you at Camp Fi. I met so many awesome people at these types of events. I've met dozens. I've met hundreds of people at FinCon and Camp Fi's and all these other financial independence events where, you know, I could hit them up if I'm in their city and they're like, oh, yeah, Cody, like you have a place to crash. And it's just being a good friend. You know, it's interacting with people on social media. It's helping people when they need help. It's just being a genuinely good person. And, you know, it doesn't seem like much of a travel hack, but 
seriously, especially in this digital world where we can be connected to people all around the globe and meet people in all these different countries, all these different cities, it's one of the best times ever. Like 50 years ago, you would never really know someone if you, you know, in my situation, I'm in Massachusetts, I'd never know someone living in Colorado or I'd never know someone living in California. I just didn't have the means to communicate with these types of people. I didn't have an online community where I can meet them and become friends with them. But now in this digital age, it's just 10 times easier. And definitely one of my favorite travel hacks as well, because you do have the local tour guide. I know we just talked about that, Justin, having someone who kind of knows the area. I know in Austin, you know, you and James went on that happy hour bender and you, <laughs> you knew all the best spots in the city. But you get that as well when you go and stay with a friend and obviously just catching up in the camaraderie. So that's number one travel tip. Make some friends around the world. <laughs> Absolutely, Cody. Also my favorite thing. And actually at the Camp Fi this past weekend, Amberly from Colorado mentioned this exact same thing and she phrased it as social currency. And I love that idea. I mean, it's, you know, you give out into the world and then people you know, naturally reciprocate and you can do those things, cash that currency in by getting to hang out with them and, and stay with them and have a great experience as well as it being financially beneficial. Here we just talked about how, you know, we're helping out other people. They may help out you. We hope that this episode really helps you out on your travels and that you start to think a little more creative and you figure out ways to squeeze more value out of your trips. Or maybe even if you spend the same amount of money, maybe it allows you to go on more trips than you're going on now. If you want to grab these show notes for some links or just to share with a friend, you can do that at thefyshow.com slash travel tips. That's thefyshow.com slash travel tips. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.